welcome back to the Entertainment Goes Pop podcast, where all things entertainment cross over with all things pop culture, meaning TV, movies, music, sports, video games, all fair games to talk about on this podcast. And this week's episode is all about the Friends reunion that is now streaming on HBO Max. I'm going to give my thoughts and recap on this great reunion from HBO Max. Let's talk about this Friends reunion that is now streaming on HBO Max. I'm going to talk some major spoilers here. I'm going to go in-depth on this special. So if you don't want to know what happened and you want to watch it for yourself, you need to stop now and come back and listen to this later because I'm going to go in very big detail and in-depth on my thoughts on this special and my recap on it. So... I mean, it's just awesome. It it really, really was great. I mean, it was. It's been a year in the making to where this was going to happen last year. The pandemic happened, and then this whole thing got shut down. And a year later, we're finally getting this awesome reunion. It was just. It was very good. Just very well produced. Die-hard fans of this show, like myself, are going to love it, and I know I did as well. There's just a lot of great things. I liked how they tied it all together. I just thought the editing and producing on it was really good to where it was split up into a lot of different parts to where we had you know, the studio audience part with James Corden, where he was out there hosting, asking questions and kind of the live audience perspective in that aspect. But yet, we also had the moments of them sitting on the set together and just talking with one another and sharing stories. We had the table reads. We had the flashbacks. It was just very, very cool. And just something... I know there's a lot of excitement among so many Friends fans today as we've all just been waiting for this day to watch this group get back together. You know, here in the last couple of years, I've really thought about... Because I always know, like, what's my favorite movie? And favorite TV shows has always been something that I've struggled with on which ones to nail down because there's so many favorite shows of mine that just mean so much to me to where I have a hard time ranking them. And I was thinking about this a couple of years ago and I thought, where does Friends rank? Because I've watched this show especially at that time, I was watching reruns probably every night on Nick at Night because a lot of times if I'm just flipping through channels or something, I'll just land over there and just see, hey, which episode are they airing tonight? You know, and I'll just check that out. And I thought, how many shows do I do that with? I mean, there's, there's quite a few, but I just thought, you know, as far as like a show that has a lot of good 
like rerun value and just a show that I don't get tired of, I thought, you know, Friends may actually have a very good argument as being my favorite TV show ever just because of its replay value and just this show is such like it's it's comfort TV you know it's it's a show to where you no matter if you're having a bad day or something you can always turn the show on and no no matter how many times you've seen these episodes which I've seen these episodes endless amounts of times and you still laugh at the same jokes. You still love it. You still you know what's coming. And you can't wait for it to happen. You know, you know the jokes, you know the big epic moments of the show, and you can't wait for it. And it's it's very much a comfort, you know, you always hear about comfort food. I think Friends is comfort food style of TV. For a lot of people, including myself, you know, I talked about, I think I talked about this on another podcast, but you think about Friends back, and of course I I should point out, I watched this, I'm not like a newbie or something, I watched Friends as it aired on NBC, you know, all through that, the finale was, you know, I spoke about this last week, the finale was appointment viewing, where I was like, this is when this is airing. Do not call me between <laughs> these times, because I will not pick up the phone, because I want to see how this turns out, you know, and it's, the show had, you know, such a big following from early on, but I remember back to the 9-11 time, when that happened with September 11th, 2001, Friends had kind of hit a kind of a, I wouldn't say a slide. The ratings were down a little bit for Friends. You know, there was, a, it was, it had been around for a while at that point, and there were a lot of new shows coming on. So a lot of times, any show, you'll often see a little bit of a decline, you know, and there was a little bit of a decline going on with Friends, but... After 9-11 happened, a lot of these sitcoms that had big followings and that people loved and knew were having a resurgence. That's one thing that was going on, and Friends was one of them. Post 9-11, Friends had a very big resurgence on TV where the ratings started to go back up because... In that post 9-11 world to where everybody was just so rattled and just so anxious and unnerved, you know, that people were looking for things that was comfort to them and things that were uplifting that they could laugh at and be joyful with. Friends probably had the highest, I don't know if it had the highest, but it saw a significant boost in ratings when NBC, when Friends came back that fall, you know, just right after 9-11 when they got back going. They saw a significant increase in ratings, and it really held steady until, you know, the finale in 2004. So this show is definitely a lot of comfort for a lot of people, 
And I know for me and for a lot of people, when that show ended, it was like, well, oh my goodness, what what do we do? This, you know, it's like we're we're losing our friends here, you know, no pun intended. And it's it was quite the quite the event when the show went off and yeah, just one of the greatest sitcom and TV shows of all time. So so let's get into the finale here. Of course, we had all the Friends cast gathered together. Jennifer Aniston, David Schwimmer, Courtney Cox, Matthew Perry, Lisa Kudrow, and Matt LeBlanc all gathered here. And uh, also in the crowd, they had the show creators, Kevin Bright, Kevin Bright Marta Kaufman, and David Crane. And of course, I spoke that James Corden hosted the studio audience portion of the show and one thing that was really cool is they had them set up in front of the iconic fountain that was used in the show's opening credits. So that was really cool. Some of the stats to tell you how big this show was and still is to this day. James Corden laid out some stats right at the beginning of the studio audience portion where he said, you know, again, 236 episodes, 10 seasons. It was TV's number one comedy for six straight seasons. 52 million people watched the series finale. And this is an impressive stat here. The show has been watched over 100 billion times over all streaming platforms. That's impressive. So, the show itself, the special opens up with a graphic on the screen where it says, uh, Friends ran for 10 seasons from 1994 to 2004. Since the finale, the six cast members have been in a room all together only once. Until today. And they roll in the final scene of the show with them leaving the apartment, going into the hallway, that last shot of the apartment, and the iconic door. Then they transition over to the studio lot, showing 17 years later. And we get to see the cast arriving one by one into this empty studio. Of course, they've got their camera people in there and everything. But what I really liked is how they did this. It's not like they walked in and they just started interviewing them. They just let them walk in and just observe it. Because what they had done in this lot, all the sets were there. They had uh, Chandler and Joey's apartment, Rachel and Monica's apartment. Um, You know, of course, it was later uh, Chandler and Monica's apartment. I always think of it as Rachel and Monica, so I don't know. That was the original, so that's a, I always go with that. And, of course, the hallway in between the two apartments. And Central Perk was there, too. So what happened was there's you know the door from outside to where they'd walk into the studio and, and just observe it. And David Schwimmer was the first one in. And you could just see how overwhelmed with emotion that he was when he just looked around and said, oh, wow, look, it's all here. Look at this. And he just walked around the set. You could really tell he was he was uh, looking for words. You know, he was talking to the cameras a little bit. 
just uh, on his emotions and everything. But I really liked that they didn't have somebody there putting a mic in front of them or anything like that. They just let them walk in and just feel it and just let their emotions show. So he was the first one in. Lisa Kudrow was the second one in. And of course, they hug immediately. And one thing that they pick up on is the beam in the middle of Rachel and Monica's apartment was back. And if you um, if you remember, of course, you're hardcore, you're going to remember this. Season one, there was a beam in the middle of that set. And after the first season, they eliminated it. I think it was kind of a kind of a distraction. I think it kind of got in their way, and that's the reason that they eliminated it. But it was interesting that they brought the beam, and they put the beam back in there for how the show originally was. And they picked up on that. Uh, Lisa Kudrow and David Schwimmer, they said, look, the beam's, the beam's here. And uh, so Jennifer Aniston was the next one in. She's the first crier. She was the first crier here. Matt LeBlanc was the next one in, and... He and they all, you know, of course, they're all just looking around, checking out the set. And Jennifer jokes saying, "Hey, remember when we all all used to be able to fit through that door together?" <laughs> you know. And uh, Matt LeBlanc had a good line here to where he was, you know, he's looking around in uh, Rachel and Monica's apartment, and he said he jokes saying, "Does Courtney still have her lines written on the table?" And he told a story about when. There was a day he was looking at the table and there were lines written on it. And he realized that Courtney had written her lines on the table to where she would get all her lines right and make sure she wouldn't mess it up. And he said something to her about it. Said, said are, these, are you writing lines on the table? She said, mind your own business. <laughs> and uh, it was a funny moment. And... Matt said that he actually erased it all. He erased all of it off of there to mess with her, and that she got so mad over it that she would do that he would do that. And Lisa, they uh, they joked about saying that there was always a script in the sink, and that it was always Courtney's. <laughs> she always put the she would put a script in the sink to where she made sure she got her lines right and everything. So Courtney arrives and. Matt tells that story, you know, he tells that story to her, which she didn't remember. She didn't remember the story. And she's like, why would you do that? That's so mean. <laughs> and of course she was, she was the next crier. Uh, immediately she walked in she was, there were tears already. Uh, Matthew Perry, last one to arrive. I just can't imagine from his perspective, walking in that door, being the last one in and just seeing the set and everybody's standing there. Just, that's pretty incredible. Uh, funny moment when uh, Matt LeBlanc looked across uh, Monica and Rachel's apartment. He said, was that wall always purple? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah, it was purple. What are you talking about? So we get something kind of cool here that I thought was neat. Because one thing uh, cast members always get asked is, you know, did you take anything from the set to keep for yourself? And they pointed out immediately, they said, Courtney says, this isn't the original cookie jar. Lisa has the original cookie jar. She has it in her house. I thought that was cool. 
Matt LeBlanc said that he took the ball from the foosball table, that he actually has that. And Matthew Perry said, well, you should have taken, why didn't you just take the whole foosball table? So, well, remember we destroyed it. They said, we, in, in that episode, it was destroyed. So, was, you know, I couldn't take it. He said, I did take the ball. He said, I had the original ball from the foosball table. So that was cool. And so here we're off and running. They have a very cool, they run the theme song in and do all that. And one thing I want to talk about with the theme song, before I forget that, they talked about just how crazy it was to where they saw like the popularity of the show when they heard the Friends theme song on the radio and how crazy that was. And I'd actually, this was funny timing because I was listening to the 90210 OMG podcast this last weekend with Jenny Garth and Tori Spelling, where they talk about 90210. They had one of the Rembrandts on there, and they were talking about, you know, the music career. And one thing, Tori, she's like, okay, I want to know about the Friends theme song. She's like, we've talked long enough. I have to know about the Friends theme song. How did it come about? They were approached to make a theme song for the show. Cause that's one thing she asked. I didn't know the answer to this either on was the show, which was first was the show first or was the theme song first. They came to them wanting them to write a, write a song for the show. And, you know, they worked really hard together, making sure that, you know, everything was good. And they said that the theme song got so popular that, they were asked to add some more to it to where they could have a full-length song and release it out to which is what we'd always hear on the radio at the time, you know? And it's like I had, and then, of course, it was on the Friends soundtrack that came out, you know, in the mid-90s. So there was a lot of cool info. It was just very strange timing that it just happened to be I was listening to that podcast on the same week that the Friends reunion was happening. So that was very, very, very cool. So in this reunion, they did a new cool open where they mixed in some old clips and mixed in clips from, you know, this reunion taping. So that was very cool. And with the set, they we see Matthew Perry and Matt LeBlanc. They go over and sit in their old recliner chairs, to which the rest of the group said, somebody, I can't remember who it was, it might have been Jennifer, I don't know, said, oh, look, they're over there sitting in their chairs. And some of the others leaned over to check it out because it was just like such a cool, nostalgic moment. One thing that they showed, too, was they had like the old laptop, the old, big, bulky laptop, you know, from that era of the show. It was still there on the set. And they just, they talked a lot of cool memories, you know, with the set. And they brought up, you know, the really funny episode where they throw the ball back and forth for the whole episode and they're trying to say well how long could we throw this ball without dropping it and david swimmer actually didn't remember the episode that was kind of funny he's like i don't remember that episode and the rest were like yeah well like yeah you were in it you were in that scene so it's just kind of funny what you know they they can remember what they can't remember because it's just you know it's just like anybody to to like fans there's so many times where fans will remember things to the detail and actors are always amazed where they're just like, how do you remember that? How in the world do you even remember that and have that 
locked in your brain. So that's how the show opened. It was just very cool. I just I loved how they did it. It was that was just very cool. So let's go over some of like the history of the show here. I'm going to kind of put all the history stuff kind of in this one spot here. Because we got a really cool history of how it got started with the cast, the creators, how they did it. Because there was a lot of stuff in this that I did not know. So this was very informative. I really liked it. I loved how they pitched the show saying that all of them, they talked about you know the creators that they were all in their 20s, living in New York. They were doing life together, looking for love in the city. And they just said, we think this could be a show. Maybe we ought to pitch this as a show. And they said, Marta Kaufman, she said, the pitch was a line of, it's that time of your life when your friends are your family. To where, you know, you're growing up and your friends are around you every day. And that's your family. And that's what this show was. And so, as far as like, which I love that, by the way, that really, I'm going to go about talking about that later on some more. But man, that's such a good perspective on that show. Um, as far as the cast, when they talked about meeting, Lisa Kudrow said, you know, the first time she saw any of them was at the first table read. And David said the same thing. He said, you know, he met Matt LeBlanc first. And David Schwimmer talked about, he said that he just thought this show was so perfectly cast. That everybody was just perfect in who they cast for these roles. So that gets us into the stories of how everyone was cast from the creators. They said they saw David Schwimmer... And when they saw him do what they called his hangdog impression, where it's just like that low, like head down, like low toned, like, you know, you know the Ross, you know how Ross talks and everything. They said that when they saw that from David Schwimmer, just just from him, that that was how they visualized Ross to where they said, oh my goodness, that's what we want Ross to be. So they wrote the character of Ross, Ross based off of David Schwimmer. And they knew that they had to have him for that role. And they talked about that Schwimmer had just quit TV, though, because he had just had a really bad TV experience. And he just didn't want any more to do with it. He had just really, he'd come off this really bad TV experience He was done. He just didn't want to do it anymore. And that they begged him saying, hey, that this character was like specifically written for him. And he was talked into it. They, you know, they worked on him and they promised him. They said, this is going to be different. This is not going to be like your last TV experience. We promise this is going to be a good experience. and It's going to be better. And he jumped in. So next was Phoebe. They said that they saw a bunch of women auditioning for Phoebe. They had so many women in there auditioning for that role, and they just couldn't find anything. They couldn't find anybody that they liked. And Crane said that his husband was working on Mad About You at the time, 
and said, we have Phoebe right here. Her name is Ursula. That's the name of the character on this show. And, of course, she was played by Lisa Kudrow. And she was playing a waitress on that show. He said, we've got her. This, This is your Phoebe. And so right after that, they said, Lisa nailed the audition perfectly. She was the second one cast. So after that, they said they didn't cast anyone else for months. And then Joey was the next one that they cast. And when they said that Matt LeBlanc, when he auditioned, they thought that he maybe had $11 in his pocket at the time of his audition to tell you just kind of like your typical like struggling actor, you know, to where they're trying to get a job. And they tell the story of that it went down to the wire with Matt and another actor for Joey with Matt LeBlanc, of course, getting the role. Now, one thing that I did not know was that the actor that did not get the role, they actually brought him back later in another episode. If you remember the episode where they had the fake Joey, that was actually the actor that it was down to the wire with against Matt LeBlanc for the role of Joey. I had no idea of that. I did not have a clue of that. And, you know, when they rolled that clip back in, I just thought, man, I, I can't imagine. It's like he was he was so good, that role as the fake Joey, but I just thought, man, I can't imagine that actor as Joey. It just... It just felt like it would have been so different. So that was that was so just mind boggling. I mean, I, I had no idea that uh, that that was the other guy and that he was actually on an episode playing the fake Joey. That was mind blowing to me. So that was a really cool little thing I found out. So so of course then LeBlanc again got the role. They said they had a lot of trouble casting Monica, that they were trying to figure out what to do with that. When they had Courtney Cox, they said that she was seen as Rachel, but that Courtney said that she felt like she was more of a Monica, so she went for Monica. And the creators said that they felt like, you know, Courtney had some like face value to her. Of course, we knew, you know, Courtney had been a guest star on Family Ties for a while where she was on there with Michael J. Fox. And also, you know, you remember her from the Dancing in the Dark music video with Bruce Springsteen where he brings her up on stage in that in that video, you know, where he's it's at the live show and everything. And you'll remember in that scene, of course, some of y'all may not remember this, but in that music video which was recorded at a live concert, he pulls somebody up on the stage with him to dance. That was Courtney Cox. So they felt like that she would have some face value to where people would know her well enough, but they wouldn't know her, you know, if that makes sense, to where the audience would be somewhat familiar with her. Now, for me, in that era, for me as a kid... I knew Courtney Cox from Masters of the Universe. If you remember the the Masters of the Universe live action movie that they did based off of the cartoon in the 80s, that was the first thing I, uh, I don't know. I think, 
I don't know. I probably saw her on Family Ties first, I guess. I don't remember. But, because I was a big Family Ties fan. And so Masters of the Universe, I remember her clearly from that. So I think probably when I saw Courtney Cox, I was like, oh, Courtney Cox from Masters of the Universe. Of course, Masters of the Universe is pretty well disliked across the board. On uh, I think that's actually seen as like one of the worst people universally. I think feel like that's one of the worst uh, adaptations of like a live action movie based on a cartoon or something, you know, similar to that. And even now that's not something I really go out of my way to go back and watch. I don't remember hating it as a kid, but, uh, I don't remember just being real crazy about it either, but that was my introduction to Courtney Cox. But, you know, you knew they knew she was going to have face value with people that people were going to recognize her. So, Courtney Cox in the role of Monica. So, that gets us to Chandler. They thought Chandler would be the easiest to cast with him being like a joke-style character and being the funny one, you know? And they said that they saw endless people audition for the role of Chandler, and no one was funny. So, they found Matthew Perry... But the problem was he had already signed on with another TV show at the time, and he was in this really bad show called LAX 2194. I had never heard of this. It was a sci-fi sitcom following baggage handlers at an airport in 2194. And they rolled in some footage of this show, and believe me when I tell you, it looked as Every bit as bad as that sounds. It was not good. Like, this was... Yeah, ooh, I had never heard of the show. And I'm so glad they rolled footage in. I was like, oh my goodness, this is brutal. So, they wanted Matthew Perry. But again, he was, he was already with the show. They said that someone from Warner Brothers was actually at a taping of that show... And they said, yeah, this show will never go. This show will never get any. It's never going to go. Put him in Friends, is what they said. Take him, put him in Friends. So they had Chandler. So now we have Matthew Perry. And they talked about, the creators talked about how Matthew Perry was just so good at spinning lines in a way that he makes those lines his. And just so, so true. That gets us to Rachel. She was the last, and they said the hardest character to cast. They said that Rachel was a tricky character to cast because this character was very like self-involved, and she had a lot of selfish traits to her. And they talked about how if you put the character in the wrong hands, you don't like Rachel. And that's something that they were very concerned about. They saw Jennifer Aniston. Now, they had the same problem with Jennifer Aniston that they had with Matthew Perry. Jennifer Aniston was also already cast in another show to where they were going to have the same trouble getting her like they did Matthew Perry. She was in a CBS show called Muddling Through. I'd never seen this show either. It was pretty fascinating. I knew 
I knew of several different pilot shows she'd been in, you know, over the years, but I'd never, I don't think I'd ever actually seen footage of the show. And she had already shot six episodes of that, and she was tied to that show. So the creators like Jennifer Aniston, they wanted her as Rachel. They took the risk of casting Jennifer and they put they made a deal to where they would share her with this other show and then basically see which show wins, see which one goes on. And they talked about that they had shot three episodes of Friends with Jennifer Aniston while the other show was also going. And that if CBS had picked up that other show, they would have had to reshoot the three episodes of Friends that they already had done. So, of course, the other show didn't get picked up, and they got Jennifer Aniston and got her as Rachel. And Bright, one thing he said was, he said that Jennifer really had this warmth and sincerity, sincerity, if I can say that word right, and genuineness about her to where she she was so good with that that it made you feel okay about her with anything that you might have seen as a negative on her character that you might have passed judgment on with her, that she just had such a sincerity, you know, about her and genuine and just warm to where that's what they wanted with Rachel. That's, that was, that was the goal and they nailed that goal. So with this, with this story about Jennifer Aniston, this was a fascinating story here. They cut to the to the studio audience portion, and Jennifer Aniston tells the story about you know starting on Friends, and she talked about how she just had a graveyard of pilots at that point, and she said that she just did pilot after pilot, and they would never get picked up, and she said that she thought at that point it was just, this is what you do. You do a pilot a year and you take your money from that pilot and you use it for the next pilot. And that's pretty much, she said, that's what she thought she, that's just how things went. And she said that when she sat down with the other five cast members from Friends and with that crew, she said that this was just the greatest people and the greatest script. And she just badly wanted to do it. This was what she wanted to do. She said that she went to the producer of the other show that she was on and said, please, please, please release me from the show. It's like, I love this show. I love what I'm doing now. The producer of the other show said this. He said, I saw that show. Let me tell you something. That show is not going to make you a star. This show is going to make you a star. And Jennifer Aniston, to finish that story, she said, well, Enough said. So, man, can you imagine if you're that other producer and that's what you told Jennifer Aniston? And, man, just, that's just crazy. So the creators, they talked about, like, the second season. And they talked about how the show was just such a new ball game at that point. Because they could see that the show was getting popular. It was gaining traction. And David Schwimmer talked about how they were start they were getting recognized and that they were they were becoming stars here 
And they said that one thing that they dealt with is that nobody in their lives was going through what they were going through. Like none of their family could understand this. And that the only people that could understand was the six of them. So they leaned on each other with that, you know, to where they knew each other knew what the other was going through. And Marta Kaufman, she talked about that she was asked when she knew that the show was something. And she said she got the realization of how big this show was when she walked through an airport at one point and that they were on the cover of every magazine, including Rolling Stone, which was unusual to have a TV show on the cover of. And she also told a funny story that at one point her rabbi had pulled her aside and asked her if Ross and Rachel were going to get together, <laughs> which I thought was a that was a pretty funny story that even her rabbi was like completely hooked in, wanting to know what was going to happen, see if he could get any kind of inside info. So... There's uh, they rolled in a lot of footage throughout, especially in this one moment here of like the taping nights and a lot of the behind the scenes and just how the energy was just so big there with the audience there live at the tapings. And Matthew Perry talked about how he was just constantly stressed out every night because he just felt like he had so much pressure on him to make these jokes work and make sure that they were laughed at and that he was delivering them to where he could get the laughs. And he said he would be full sweat just hoping people were going to laugh and he felt it every single night. So it just tells you some of the pressure, you know, that, that they just felt and that they just put on themselves to where I don't think the rest of the cast they you know they talked about that and they were just like wow we did we didn't see that you know we did we didn't know and you know it's just like that was the pressure that he put on himself wanting this to be good and so here's a really this was good this was a lot of good info here Marta Kaufman talked about that she says the time that they listened to the audience the most was in London when they had the scene where you see Chandler and Monica in bed together. And when, you know, they raise up out of the covers after Ross popped in the room and then he runs back out and he's like, Woo, I'm getting married today. And then he runs back out and the covers raise up and they both pop up their heads out of the covers. And they're like, do you think he saw us? And they talked about how the audience just roared and just screamed cheering and that they said the producers, they said, you know, they were just all standing there just like looking at each other like, this is insane. Listen to this reaction. And that they just let the crowd go. They just let them roar and they just sit there and just let the crowd have at it, you know, let them cheer. And they said that the original plan for Chandler and Monica was that they slept together, but it was just going to be a little funny thing to where it's like, man, can you believe we did that? You know, and that was that was all it was going to be. And they said that that moment with that crowd reaction was the beginning of how they decided to rethink Chandler and Monica. And, you know, Marta Kaufman, she said that the way that that audience reacted was that they thought there's more to this and we need to pay attention 
So that's that's a good thing right there to where that's an example of, you know, producers and creators really listening to their audience. And that was that's a really cool thing. And she said that, you know, after because that was the season finale, that when that happened, they had time to think about it for the next season. And that that was such a powerful moment that they knew that they had to explore it more. But they didn't know how far they were going to go with it. And they went with, you know, the hiding, the keeping keeping it a secret thing. And they kind of ran with that for a little bit. And, you know, and then, of course, you have the episode where everyone finds out. And that's one of my favorite episodes ever. And they actually did a table read of of that where they had them all reunited here. And they did the table read. And and they were just rolling and I was rolling where you've got Lisa Kudrow again, screaming my eyes, my eyes, you know, and then Ross jumping in for the hug reaction where they're trying to keep him hidden from what's going on with his sister. So yeah, there was just, that was a lot of cool info from like the history part of the show. So that was a lot of the history stuff that we learned throughout that. So as far as favorite episodes, Courtney said Thanksgiving episodes, obviously. You know, the Thanksgiving episodes are just, they're their own big thing. You know, every Thanksgiving, those episodes run on TBS. I watch them every year. I look, Thanksgiving Day, I look and I say, when when are the Friends Thanksgiving episodes going to start? And I land my TV on TBS and it sits there for the rest of the day until they all get done and finished. And so if TBS ever stops running those, I'm not going to know what to do. <laughs> I'll have to pull out my DVDs or something and figure out a way to just, I guess I'll just have to run them in order. So TBS, don't don't stop that because that's my Thanksgiving tradition and I need you to keep doing that. So, <laughs> but Courtney said, you know, her other favorite episode was, of course, them losing the apartment in the trivia game, her and her and Rachel. And they actually recreated this scene with a spoof where they did Friends Trivia with uh, David Schwimmer hosting and had Girls versus Boys and they had, uh, had them competing. And we got some surprise moments here where, uh, you know, like Larry Hankin popped in who played Mr. Heckles. He popped in in full character. That was pretty cool. Walked in, said, you owe me a cat and a waffle, and then turned around and walked out. It's pretty funny. Uh, they had the barbershop quartet jump in here to sing the song that Ross had them sing to Rachel. So that was cool. Uh, some funny stories that were told on this special. Uh, they were asked, was there anything that you didn't like about the show? You know, we know that you loved the experience and loved each other, but was there anything that you didn't like about the show? That was from an audience member. David Schwimmer talked about it, said he hated working with the monkey, Marcel. He said the monkey was trained, and the monkey was trained where it had to hit its mark at the right time. David said the problem with that was, he said that we would have things choreographed ourselves to where we would hit our marks, and we would do something really funny, and then the monkey wouldn't hit his mark, and then we'd have to start all over again, because the monkey couldn't get it right. So he said, you know, again, we'd do something funny, but it's but it's all out, because the, the monkey didn't hit his mark. And he said, even during the downtime, that 
the monkey would like be on his shoulder and if the trainer would bring like live grub for the monkey to eat and it would just like eat all over his shoulder and then the monkey would like put it in his hair it, this was this was hilarious this was hilarious discussion and Schwimmer was not having this <laughs> he ranted about this monkey for probably a good minute I don't know so David Swimmer, not a fan of working with the monkey. I mean, anytime you work with any kind of animals in a show, you you know, that that's always going to be a wild card because you never know how that's going to go. So David Beckham was on here. He did a, we had several celebrities jumping in here, just kind of off and on, giving their opinions on the show and sharing their favorite moments. David Beckham jumped in here, and he was talking about his favorite episode. This was a story I had never heard. He talked about that his favorite episode was the one where no one is ready. This is the episode to where Ross has the big speech that he's going to give, and he's waiting for everybody to get ready so they can get out the door and go to this because everybody's going to go and support him. This episode, they talked about... You know, Marta Kaufman talked about how they shot this episode like it was a play because this episode, everybody was in the same room and they actually shot it in order because like a play because everybody was there and they just were going to shoot that in order. It was going to be real simple and be done with it. Now, if you remember, there's the scenes in here to where Joey and Chandler are competing over the chair where he's like, get out of my chair. It's like, well, I was here first. I'm I'm sitting in this chair. Well, this is my chair. And the, so much of the episode is them trying to figure out how to get the other out of the chair, including like Joey coming in where he wears all of Chandler's clothes. (laughs) And uh, so there's a scene to where, at one point, Joey is out of the chair. Chandler walks in back into the apartment, looks over at the chair, sees it open. Joey looks at Chandler, and they both run and dart for the chair. And Joey gets gets there first. But here's what actually happened. This is something I'd never heard this story. There, They did three takes of that, and they said that all three takes were perfect. And... You know, the creators talked about, they said, for some reason, we decided we were going to do a fourth one. They said, I don't know why we decided to do a fourth take, because all three were perfect, and we decided to do a fourth take. When they did the fourth take, when Matt LeBlanc ran, he hit the chair and knocked his shoulder out of socket, knocked it out of place, and was just immediately in pain. And everything just kind of stopped and he got up and walked out of the room and he was just in pain and they show the footage of this and they actually roll the footage for the cast to see as well as LeBlanc is telling the story and they're watching the footage, you know, and like now they're watching it in present day. And I've never seen this footage. I don't, I don't think this has ever seen a lot of... If it has, I haven't seen it. It's never made its way to me. But they show LeBlanc, like, you know, he disappears in the other room, and David Schwimmer kind of peeks in to check on him. And Schwimmer comes back out, and he kind of gives, like, a look of, like, yeah, we need to we need to cut right now. Like, you know, we need to stop. And so they go to check on him, 
and he's hurt. You know, he's he's messed his shoulder up. So the paramedics come in and they take him to get him fixed up and they had to stop shooting because again they were shooting this in order. So they couldn't do anything else in that episode because again they were all in the same room together. So they had to have him there. And he ends up in a sling and for the next episode, he's in a sling, and they actually wrote something into the episode to where he's got the sling to where he injures himself. You know, they show the clip where Rachel's like, so you injured yourself, falling, jumping up and down on your bed. <laughs> and uh, But they wrote it in where he's got the sling. So they actually shot that episode next, and... After that episode, then they had to go back and shoot the end of the previous episode. Just, it was crazy. I had never heard that story before. And that's one of my favorite episodes. So that was like, that was wild backstory to hear. And just something so random, you know, where he just hurt himself landing in that chair, you know. And they said, we shouldn't have done a fourth take anyway. So the three were perfect. And we just decided to do a fourth for some reason. And that's what happened. And. You know, they talked about saying what should have been the simplest episode to do because we were doing it like a play and doing it in order ended up being the hardest. So just, that was wild. So one cool thing that they talked about was like, you know, the the show with like the next generation or like themselves. And, you know, they were asked if they had seen the show or their families and Lisa and Matthew Perry, they said that they had still, there were still seasons that they have yet to see that they haven't watched. And Matt LeBlanc said that he just, he can't stand watching himself act because it just takes the, takes the realness off of it. Because if he said, if he sees himself in a role, he's like, well, this is fake. <laughs> you know, because it, he said it, seeing them, it's different. When he watches them, it's different. And he, he laughs at that and appreciates that and loves that. But he said when he sees himself, it's like it takes him completely out of it because he's just, it, it was a very interesting like take, you know, from an actor because they, you hear so many actors that say they just, they can't watch themselves act, that they don't watch their own stuff. And he's clearly one of them. And David Schwimmer talked about, he said that his daughters actually just started watching Friends. And LeBlanc was talking about that, he said that he saw an episode on the other day and it was the scene with Ross in the leather pants getting stuck on him and that he was trying to get them off. And he told his daughter, said, you have to watch this and see how good David Schwimmer is in this episode. So it was just cool. It was just cool seeing how it, you know, how it played out, you know, to like the next gen, how, how their families see it. So as far as guest star appearances, we had several guest star appearances on this. So Reese Witherspoon makes an appearance on this. She was in a in a tape portion where they recorded her her interview where she talked about her appearance on the show. And of course they and I love Reese Witherspoon. She she's probably my favorite actor. I think about that sometimes. Like, who's my favorite actor? And I usually go to go to Reese Witherspoon. Like if she's in something, I will probably watch it or at least be interested to watch it. And she was fantastic on Friends playing one of Rachel's sisters. And they rolled the footage in of 
her first scene that I just always find hysterical when I watch it to where there's a knock at the door at the apartment and they all just start looking at one another extremely confused and they start counting each other like, we're all here. Who in the world's knocking at the door? And I just always think that scene is hilarious. And of course, it was Reese Witherspoon in that role. And Reese talked about, she's, they asked how things came about for friends for her. And she said that her agent called her and said, hey, do you want to play Rachel's sister on Friends? And Reese responded saying, did I just win the lottery? <laughs> And said she was so excited to do it and just loved it. And she was just so excited when Joey used his famous line on her and how awesome she thought that was, you know, how you doing? You know, that he used that line on her. And as far as other guest star appearances, Tom Selleck made a surprise appearance here during the trivia portion, who looks exactly the same, by the way. Of course, he played Richard, Monica's ex. Funny moment when, uh, during all this, was when they brought up the question of, you know, what does Chandler Bing do for a living? And they all sit there still not knowing the answer. Like, that, the answer was that we didn't know, right? And Jennifer says, no, was he a transponster? And Courtney says, no, that's how we lost the apartment. Don't you remember? And, uh, of course, the correct answer, they, they said, well, the answer is nobody knew, right? And, that, of course, that was right. Uh, Christina Pickles and Elliot Gold, of course, they were Mr. and Mrs. Geller. They made an appearance here, a surprise appearance. And they talked about how the cast was just so great to them said that they would actually walk in and they walked in one day and the the group of them said the parents are here and they said we felt like their parents and Elliot said that uh Christina said at one point that Elliot had told her said we're behaving like we're their actual parents at this point and that the the six of them saw them as that they saw them as parents so I thought that was cool I like that it was cool seeing them Lady Gaga made an appearance, surprise appearance as uh, Lisa Kudrow. Surprise appearance to her, to us. Lisa Kudrow, I'm sure, was knew she was coming. Lisa Kudrow was. They did a clip where she was singing on the couch by herself in Central Park, and Lady Gaga walks up. She's like, "Hey, I was just walking down the street, and I've got a guitar. I just thought I'd come in here." And they so they sing a duet of Smelly Cat, which was fun, and. Then we also get a choir that wanders in, which was the play off of the music video, you know, where they had the choir singing. And there was a nice line by Lisa at the end where she's like, still sounds better when I sing it alone, <laughs> which played off that episode. So that was good stuff. James Michael Tyler, who played Gunther, they brought him via Zoom in for a surprise. And just a short appearance with him. I don't. I wouldn't have recognized him with the beard. If they hadn't said who he was, I would not have recognized him. And he said it was the most memorable 10 years of his life and that he just couldn't have imagined a better experience. Maggie Wheeler, who played Janice, she was brought in as a surprise. She says that she got the audition sign that said that they were looking for a fast-talking New, York, New Yorker and says, well, I grew up there, and I know her. I know the fast-talking New Yorker. I can do that, and got the role. She said that the second she laid eyes on Matthew Perry, she said that, she, that he is so funny and that she'll, she'll lose it. She'll lose it trying to, trying to act with Matthew Perry because he's so funny. And she said, this character needs a laugh. 
and she just randomly did the laugh and it got laughs and it was just born in that very random moment. So some other random things as far as the moments, they they did a very cool moment where they let the cast watch bloopers, including the great pivot moment with the couch. And they talked about how good they all were with uh, physical comedy. And of course, the bloopers were always big on the DVDs. First thing I always did when the season sets would come out was I bought it, unwrapped it, put the disc in. It had the blooper reel, and the blooper reel was the first thing I always went to. Every time a new season DVD box set was released, that's the first thing I went to. And they showed a lot of the bloopers to them. They were rolling. I was rolling watching. They picked some great bloopers to pick out to show. And then, of course, they all mentioned one of them. They mentioned how funny Ben Stiller was and the moment where he was ranting at the duck <laughs> and how they were struggling holding it together, trying not to break character at the door. And they show them just busting out laughing to where they just couldn't take it anymore. And he's like, what's so funny? It's pretty, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. And David Schwimmer told the story of how excited he was that Sean Penn was going to be on the show. And David talked about how that was his idol. And then he said he saw the script and he said, oh, I'm a potato. The greatest actor in the world is here and I'm dressed as a potato in this episode. Pretty funny. Pretty funny. Here was a cool revelation. Did not know this. I think this floored a lot of people. They were asked, were there any off-screen romances? David Schwimmer said he had a major crush on Jennifer Aniston in the first season. And Jennifer said it was felt both ways as she had a crush on him. Schwimmer said, one of us was always in a relationship and we never crossed that boundary. So Jennifer actually, she said she had told him at one point that it would be such a bummer if the first time we kiss is on national TV. And then that's what ended up happening in the coffee house. And so they said that they channeled their love for each other and put it into Ross and Rachel as characters. And of course they show the scene in the coffee house and they do where the first kiss and they do a new table read where they brought them back and did the table read to that scene as well. And they mixed it really cool in between the current table read and, and rolling it in with the old footage. And Courtney said that she had actually seen that scene lately and that she, she was just in tears watching it because of just the tension of it and how good it was. And Schwimmer said that he was kind of baffled that more people didn't know that they had such a crush on crush on each other because he said whenever there'd be down times, he said it would be like cuddling on the couch or messing with one another, you know, and kidding each other. And he said, he just said, how did people not know that we were crushing on each other? And Courtney said, we knew, <laughs> we knew. So we get to the finale. They talked about the friends finale. Marta said, if she brought it up to say, if the show is about the time of your life when your friends are your family, then when you have family of your own, it's no longer that time. And I thought that was a very like strong thing to where, you know, eventually, you know, your friend group eventually starts their own families and they start branching kind of out, you know. 
And she said that it was important for them to end everyone in a good place. And that they had the discussion, very open discussion on, do we want to put Ross and Rachel together or do we go ambivalent? What do we do? And they said, no, this is friends and we have to give people what they want and find a way to get them together. We're going to find a way to get there and get them together. And of course, we got to see the full moment of, you know, the I got off the plane scene, which was shown, including like the full cut. It was awesome to where they cut the scene and we got to see the aftermath of them still standing there taking in the emotion of that scene. And that was just cool. And they talked about how the hardest part was getting through the actual final scene of the show with them saying they just they didn't want it to end. And they show the beginning of the scene where the directors, you know, doing the doing the you know, cut, take, you know, all that. And you hear the awes when that thing goes down and claps. You hear the awes from people around of like, this is it. This this is the final scene. And, you know, they said immediately, you know, when the final scene was over, it was just a ton of tears and they roll footage in, showing them all in the hallway hugging and just so many tears and a lot of crying. And then of course they walk back in, take the final bow for the for the live audience there. And they said that the sets were taken down immediately that night because there was a pilot coming in in the next few days that was going to use that that space. So just like that, you know, they talked about how it was like packing up your childhood home and watching watching your childhood home get packed up. And that afterwards they had like an impromptu party in that space because no one wanted to leave and they ended up signing the flats all the cast and crew signed the flats that were there and actually had the cat the flats for the reunion that was cool a lot of laughs with a lot of stuff people were signing just good stuff and you know they as far as like the cast current you know they talked about you know, we've got to get together more and do dinners together or do things like that. And Matthew Perry talked about that, like their closeness is best described as, he said, if one of us bumped into each other somewhere after it was over, um, we were going to talk to that person the rest of the night. Like if we're out and about at a restaurant or something and we see and we're mingling with a bunch of people, but yet we bump into one of us in that restaurant, it's over for whoever else we were with because me and that person, we're going to talk for the rest of the night. And I thought that was just a cool thing. And Courtney was laughing and crying at the same time saying, because that's true. So that was a cool thing. I like that. That's just speaks on that show and just how tight they all were. So what about a reunion episode? Is that some or a movie? Is that something that they would ever consider? Lisa Kudrow said that has always been up to Marta and David. That was always up to them on if they wanted to do it. And Lisa said that she felt like the show wrapped up very nicely. And they said that if they did something different with like a reunion show or an episode that they would have to unravel everyone's happy ending and do something else. So that's definitely, that's definitely a take to think about, you know, to where they wrapped everybody's characters so well 
that if you did something different, you would have to unravel that and do something else. So they asked everyone, so where are your characters now? With Rachel, Jennifer said, married with kids, and you were playing with bones, looking over at David Schwimmer, and <laughs> which is funny because that's what a, Rachel always would joke about. Say, well, you, you play with bones for a living. And, of course, Swimmer was like, it's called paleontology, <laughs> you know. So, very funny. Monica and Chandler, Courtney said, you know, Monica's still competitive. Her kids are graduated, but she was in charge of bake sales and the PTA, and Chandler's still making her laugh every day. Phoebe, Lisa said, she's still married to Mike in Connecticut with kids, and she was, and her kids were probably very different and that she was embracing and wanting her kids to embrace being different from others and being an advocate for that and being into the arts thing and the music thing. What about Joey? Matt LeBlanc said he probably opened a sandwich shop in Venice Beach, <laughs> which I thought was very fitting of, of that. And that was it. That was, that was the reunion special. It was just, it was very, very good. I know for myself, I had a lot of emotions watching it. It, uh, I laughed out loud. I was teary so many times in so many spaces. And there were so many moments, especially when they were rolling that finale footage of them wrapping up and doing the final bow. And there were just several moments into the where, into this where I was just like, I'm going to be a blubbering mess here in a second <laughs> with, uh, with some of this to where, uh, you know, it was, it brought out a lot of emotions, you know, watching, watching this. So yeah, it's, it's just a very awesome special. And like I talked about with, of course I said, I was going to go back to this to where they describe the show as that moment in time of when your friends were your family. So I think when I see this show, I think it's like this for so many people, especially with it, the time period that it's set in to where that's what me and my friends did. We, we gathered together. We would just hang out. We wouldn't even have to even be doing anything. We'd just sit around and talk to each other and watch TV or listen to music or whatever. And I think Friends really sets the tone of what it was like in that era. That's just how it was. That's what me and my friends did. We would just get together and we'd hang out and we'd have a blast. And one of my friends told me lately that she had actually told her husband at one point, she's like, yeah, we'd all gather in his room and we'd just all talk and hang out. And it's like, and we wouldn't even particularly even do anything, but we had a blast. So we would just sit around and talk and hang out and laugh. And it's not like we were even doing anything in particular. It was just, we were just there. We just hung out and it was great. And I think that's what a lot of people see. And I see a lot of people like in these younger generations, I've heard a lot of people that they watch Friends and they say that they wished they could experience that. That's one thing that I've heard a lot of younger people say that this show really appeals to them and they're almost kind of jealous of it a little bit to where things were different then. That that's what you did with your friends. You just hung out and that they wished that they could kind of 
sit in that time period and it be like that. So, yeah, when when they they said that that's how they pitched that show of the time period of when your friends were your family, it was just like, yep, that that's the perfect description of that show because they were they were a family and they leaned on each other and they helped each other move along in life. You know, they they were each other's shoulder. Anytime something bad happened, they were each other's shoulder. They were the ones to laugh with, to encourage with. So, yeah, just a perfect description of that show. And I think a lot of times, like I said, when I watch that show, it reminds me of me and my friends. It's, it reminds me of that time period. And, you know, the popularity of Friends is just something that has been so strong for, you know, I mean, since 1994 on up to 2004, and the show's almost been off the air for 20 years, and it's still strong. And think about the money that goes into these streaming services to get the rights to Friends, you know? To where how much Netflix was was uh, paying to get the to get the episodes of Friends to to uh, to live to live stream to stream for viewers and the backlash that there was when Netflix announced they were pulling Friends there was a major backlash over that from people that watched that show on Netflix all the time and of course now it lives on HBO Max and so does this reunion special. The Friends reunion special is now streaming on HBO Max. If you're a Friends fan, if you're a hardcore fan, or even if you're not even just a hardcore fan, if you're a casual fan, watch it. You're going to love it. It's really awesome. You're going to run the full full range of emotions. I know I did. You're going to love it. It's awesome. Check it out. It's on HBO Max right now. That is it for this week's podcast. Hope you've enjoyed all my friends' discussion on just this amazing show that has meant so much to me in my life. Take care. God bless. Hope you have a great week. Thank you for listening.